Hello, welcome to Superfancast. My name is Chris, I'm joined by Matt, and this is Season 2, Episode 2, Kings of Convenience. You sound very confident, Chris, but uh, literally a few minutes ago your words were, I am absolutely terrified of this episode. <laughs> yeah, and I'm totally spaced out after listening to Kings of Convenience for the last week. You're going to have to <laughs> peel me week. off the ceiling, man. Really, really. You're absolutely stressed out of your mind. It's so it's that, mellow. It's so it's mellow, kind isn't of, it? <laughs> yes, yeah. It's it's unbelievably mellow. Like, the mellowest music I've ever, I've possibly ever heard. Hey, we uh, we jumped into the call really quickly, so I didn't have much of a catch-up with you beforehand. Is the weather nice where you are? It's pretty good. I just had to look out, out the window just then. Oh, uh, it's not as good as down here, then, if you had to look out the window. Here, it's it's awesome weather. Really? Oh, yeah. it's. I mean, it's it's sunny. the 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 sky is actually blue. That doesn't mean it's weather where you you, you can have less than four layers on. But ah, oh, see, yeah, I think we I think we're t-shirt weather down here today. Oh, jealous! It's like a Jack Johnson weather. Oh, well, gel. <laughs> Did you find? I don't. Well, maybe it's a bit niche, but like two thousand six, two thousand seven. I was in Australia at that time of backpacking, and Jack Johnson was just the. The absolute soundtrack yeah. of backpacking, two thousand six, two thousand seven. You're like, it's all you heard anywhere, yeah. at any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just he just vanished, didn't he? Well, maybe he didn't. I'm sure he does other things. I'm sure he still exists. I you felt know, that there wasn't. Maybe I maybe it was just the way I was introduced to him. But I felt there was no career for Jack Johnson. It was just like a moment in time. Here's all yeah. his music. <laughs> yeah, then... I don't think he. I don't think he's really bothered about having a music career. I think he just really? enjoys surfing and chilling oh, yeah, out right, by yeah. the beach. Yeah. Yeah, all his videos were just him sitting by a campfire, weren't they? And like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was his niche. Now we should go. Yeah. We should find Jack Johnson. Wonder where he is. Should find him. <laughs> should go and look for him. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, it'd be and, awful uh, if he if he if he'd had an accident and we're joking about him. Oh yeah, God. Yeah. Sorry to all his family and friends. If that's a dark start to the episode. Anyway, let's it? move on. Let's move on before we offend everybody. What's your go-to kind of uh, music on a really hot? sunny day Isley Brothers Hendrix oh Hendrix um, is a good call yeah Cream something psychedelic yeah that's a good call maybe maybe today's gonna be a Grateful Dead day mm, Grateful Dead day yeah what have you been listening yeah. to this this last couple of weeks I have got a, a new obsession lately oh god uh, so you know how I really enjoy bands who have got really cool costumes and prosthetic heads yes <laughs> <laughs> I say prosthetic heads I mean like masks i don't mean like they've they've lost their head and they've had to get one surgically made but i mean um, but you'd listen to that as well <laughs> yeah, yeah that's something else this band are called henge h-e-n-g-e they're from they're from manchester and they play a type of music that they call cosmic dross while performing as fictional characters zapor goo grok and nom and they are very big in the alternate <laughs> festival community. You, you've got to watch them to understand why. They're, it's, they're basically like, it's, it's as if they're trying to start their own space cult, trying to recruit people to, to go on board their spaceship. And it's, it's, it's unbelievably happy, psychedelic, electronic, absolutely bananas music and and there's there's so much fun you know I, I say that a lot as an adjective and i need to get a thesaurus but they really are fun if you go on their website uh, their bios are all in agriculan which is a poor's native tongue and actually i just figured out that they're all in they're all just written backwards so 
that's that's less exciting uh, but but on their website it says attention earth this is henge we come in the name of rave we bring you the gift of cosmic dross a kind of music new to your world we have news planet earth is an experiment your species were sent codes from space to help you love and dance but your leaders grew scared they hid the codes from you now your consciousness shrinks and they destroy your world of weapons of war Ravelings of Earth rebel. Absorb the mutated frequencies of cosmic dross. There are no Earth words to describe these sounds, but you can learn how to love and dance again. This is your future. Put down the weapons. Unite and colonize space. Wow. Okay. So much. So much to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching them now. Um, oh, you're watching them now. What do you think? I'm watching them do demilitarized live. Oh yeah, that's cool. And yeah, so you got one dude who's dressed kind of like a a shaman of of yore yes. and then you got a woman who i think it's a female is that female dressed as a robot uh yeah. i have no idea oh possibly there's yes. a woman dressed as yes. a robot very much looks a lot like bender from futurama and then you've got a guy holding up plaques talking about weapons of mass destruction mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah i haven't got the sound on because we're talking what is cosmic dross if you were to use earth words <laughs> earth words <laughs> very funny anyway it's a mixture of rave and psychedelic rock i'd say okay okay i yeah. um i can guarantee that i'll give them a listen today but i can't guarantee that i'm gonna listen to it more than once <laughs> oh mate well <laughs> i hope you enjoy them i hope you get into their into their religion and if you really like them they've also got comic books about their characters on their website well, wow. I've I've been listening to Tori Amos as well. I've oh, been really? intrigued by her for a long time because mm. I heard a couple of songs and heard a lot of good things, especially on the Björk fan groups. They seem to enjoy Tori Amos as well. Yeah, they seem to come hand in hand. And yeah, I'm impressed with her. Actually, I'm going to keep listening. She's got really nice songs. I've I've listened to the albums Little Earthquakes, Under the Pink, and Boys for Pele, which I think are the I think are her first three albums she's still around she's, though right she's had a release recently hasn't she she has yeah yeah she's still going she she did a uh concert f- specifically for spotify relatively recently as well yeah and and i'm impressed by her actually yeah by her songwriting and also her really nice jazzy bluesy piano yeah i need to check um, her out i've never really um i think i'm sure over the years i've i've listened to a tune here and there but it's never really grabbed me um, but I get the impression she's an artist that you do need to you do need to commit to a record and, and really listen to it. It's not mm. it's not going to be a are you here one tune on the radio and think yes this is this is an artist for me. Yeah, yeah, she's definitely worth checking out. Cool. I've been listening what? to um, a few a few randoms. Well, I've been listening to Shensia. If you didn't see my new music review last week, because we're recording this a long time before it comes out, so actually if you, if you didn't see yeah. my new music review at the beginning of March. For Shensia's album Alpha, go check it out because that's really good. Have you listened to that? A little bit, yeah. I don't know uh, dancehall very well. I, d- I don't listen to dancehall, not because I'm against dancehall. I just don't know it as a genre, really. Maybe not really exposed to it. But came across her record and I've really loved it. Yeah, yeah, really loved it. I think also it's um, it's a good gateway into listening to dancehall because it's it's got a lot of pop sounds on that album, pop and hip hop and a little bit of R and B. And she's got a few cool guest features on there. But it's just, yeah, it's fun. 
It's a real fun album. If you can get around the lyrics, because it is quite dirty. <laughs> if you can get oh, past dear. the lyrics. I heard, uh, I saw an interview with her and she said, uh, the interviewer was saying like what, because she's only like 25 or something and she's she's quite vulgar. And uh, <laughs> she said, the interviewer said, like, uh, what do your family think of some of the things that you say? And and she said, oh, my mum once said she should she should put a condom on her ears. I thought, well, if that's all your mum said, then you've done all right, because my mum would not be happy with the kind of stuff you're saying. <laughs> Condom on your ears. That's not going to help very much. It's not. She's misunderstood. Uh, she's misunderstood the point of the condom. <laughs> yeah, that's not how you use condoms. Uh, but yeah, I really like the album. And uh, I've also been listening to this Nigerian singer called T.I. Blaze, who was someone that I discovered a, a few weeks ago that I was going to do a review on, but I just, you know, I picked something else up that week instead. And yeah, he had an EP out a few weeks back called, uh, wait for it, are you sitting down? Mm. It's called The Fresh Prince of Lagos. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and the cover of the album looks like the cover of, uh, you know, the promotional materials from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but it's just got him instead of Will Smith. But, oh, well, good um, for him. Yeah, good for him. Anyway, he sings like um, sort of dancey R&B, I guess. But I think it's, again, I don't know anything about Nigerian music, what's popular in Nigeria. But they call him and his style of music, they call him a crooner, which is oh, not right. what we call a crooner. What, what does it mean when we say a crooner? We mean people like... Oh, it's like Dean Martin and... Um, yeah, like the Frank rap Sinatra. pack. Yeah. yeah. But did, was, that, was that a genre or was that a style I think it's, style it's of... more, it's more a, a, a way to describe a particular kind of singer i think it's mm. it's also i think it's also that like the style of dress and their um persona as well okay. you know like a very suave gentleman well if we have any listeners in nigeria i don't think we've ever had a um certainly i don't think we have any downloads in nigeria but if we do have any listeners who are nigerian descent and can fill us in with what is meant by crooning in nigerian music that'd be really interesting to know so yeah they refer to his style of music as crooning um but it's it's like dancey r&b really heavily auto-tuned vocals which isn't my kind of thing normally but that's it's not the vocals that that the appeal it's you know the beats are just really i don't know let's make you want to move there's really fun upbeat music yeah i like it a lot so i'd recommend him i'd recommend him And, and and actually just another thing for our nigerian listeners if anyone wants to get in touch I say I recommend him. I don't know if T.I. Blaze is good at what he does. Like, it's just that that style of music I'm really liking. So it could be that there's, you know, he's the bottom of the pyramid and there's loads of other great crooning artists from Nigeria that I would love more. I just don't know that world. Yeah, there might be some Nigerian listeners out there thinking, oh man, what a, what a pleb. I know, to, <laughs> I'm sure they are. Listening to that rubbish. I'm sure they are. I, people think that all the time before I was talk, talking about T.I. Blaze. <laughs> <laughs> That is probably about it. What else have I been listening to? Oh, Ed. Ed won his case, didn't he? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, I've been I've been kind of popping in and out of that case. Yeah, so Ed Sheeran has been in court because someone's been saying he stole some music of him. Which I don't think he did, but um, it's, it's incredibly similar. But it's just such a common phrase and the way that it's delivered is just not... It's not particularly unique, so... That's why they sound similar. But but what I haven't been following it, right? But I did see an article like yesterday or two days ago or something where has somebody spoken out about this guy now yeah. saying that he only started the case to get publicity and get noticed by Ed Sheeran? I think I read somewhere that he's been 
particularly fixated on trying to bring Ed Sheeran down just as, as some weird personal vendetta. That's strange. Yeah, I know he sounds a bit sounds a bit bonkers, but mm. but you know as this this episode is being recorded a couple of weeks later than published, you know maybe once this is out, the guy is now like a massive megastar and yeah, he, he could be like be. president of the US by now. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it could, it could could well turn that way. Yeah, <laughs> this is his way into politics. All right, let's do some uh, kings of comedians. All right then. Kings of Convenience are a folk duo from Norway made up of Erland Oye and Erik Glambeck Bo. Is that how mm. you would have pronounced it? Yes. Good. So we will just call them Erland, Erland and Erik. Yeah. Erland and Erik. Oh dear, was that cultural appropriation there? I don't know. I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to poke <laughs> fun at the Norwegian accent. I'm trying to do it properly. <laughs> the pair first met at school. And after being involved in other projects, they formed Kings of Convenience around 1999. Their debut album, Quietest and New Loud, came out in 2001 and reached number one in the Norwegian charts. Three further studio albums and an album of remixes have all made the top 40 in Norway and seen varied successes elsewhere in Europe and the UK. Oh, Europe and the UK. That was a faux pas, wasn't it? Elsewhere in Europe. During a 12-year hiatus after 2009, Erland and Eric both pursued other projects, mainly within the indie folk domain, to varied success. The band are known for their easy-listening folk pop songs and their characteristic vocal chemistry. They have maintained a very recognisable style for two decades and built a loyal band of followers across the globe. And that's my short and sweet introduction to Kings of Convenience. Yeah, sounds accurate. I think this is going to be this is going to be a fairly short section in the well. You go first. How did you first hear of Kings of Convenience? A listener recommended that we that we did these guys because they have a bit of a cult following. We thought, well, we've never heard of them before, so let's give them a punt. And since then, I've been I've been listening to them the past couple of weeks and really enjoying them. But before then, I had literally no knowledge of them whatsoever. They were completely out of my radar. Yeah. So that's um, that is my history in a nutshell. Yeah. What about um, you? Was it was it the same? Hundred percent the same. Yeah, I hadn't hadn't heard of them until they were recommended to us. And even looking into them now, there's nothing there's nothing about them that rings a bell. So I definitely it's not like I'd heard of them and I'd forgotten or hmm. you know, there was something in the back of my mind. I, I, I'm fairly confident that there's nothing about them that I'd ever heard. So this has yeah. been from the ground up this this journey. Yeah, I yeah, starting from ground zero. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be any kind of drama with them. You know, there's no, there's no big controversies. There's no crazy stories. They're just very chilled guys making really chilled music yeah. and doing a lovely job of it. And what more can you say about that? Okay, I will ask five questions to help us discover a bit more about Kings of Convenience. I'm going to be asking those five questions to Len from here in the UK. He will get one point per correct answer and five or more points. He will be officially known as a super fan of Kings of Convenience. Did you just say five or more points? Yeah. How do you get get more points than five? Well, well, if I throw in a bonus question. Oh, okay. Spoiler, I'm not going to throw in a bonus question. (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous. (laughs) Great stuff there. All right, Matt. Question one. 
Now, I've a lot of this is, you know, last week we had the opposite of, of what we've got this week, didn't we? In that we had so much information to get oh. through for Pharrell. And, Pharrell, yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, so and I could have asked, I could have asked a question about anything. It could have been somewhere down a rabbit hole that you just never went down. Whereas mm-hmm. here, I think that we were quite limited on the amount of information there is on Kings of Convenience. So, uh, the questions that I've come up with have had to be quite specific. But anyway, we'll see how we do. Yeah. Question one: We got we got lyrics here. Oh no! I know. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> It's not. This isn't one for Matt. This is one for Len. I can't remember the lyrics, honest, in all honesty, but I'll, I'll make a good guess. Oh, uh, yeah. Make a fun guess. So, in the lyrics to Miss Red, all throughout history, the loneliest people were the ones who what? Uh, the ones who were right. No, it's the ones who always spoke the truth. Yeah, that's the same thing. <laughs> It's that's not... exactly the same thing. This lyrics, the... though, it has to be right, doesn't oh, it? Oh, come on, mate. All right, fair enough. Can I get half a point? Because you can't, basically... you can't sing the lyrics to Jump by Van Halen as, as Hop and go, oh, that's the same thing. <laughs> no, but yeah. Okay, fair enough. I thought I, I was expressing what they were trying to say. Well, what were lyric. they trying to say? That the loneliest people always tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what I have said in a different wording well done matt you get the point really okay so misread was on riot on an empty street which came out in 2004 that was their second studio album and misread was the first of three singles off that record and okay so it charted at well 83 in the uk but i think we are going to learn throughout this episode that Kings of Convenience are not a band that are revered for their chart success outside of Norway. That's not that's mm. not why people listen to them or yeah, follow them. Mm-hmm. The album Right on an Empty Street, it was number two in Norway, so the second highest charting record in their homeland. Uh, the, their debut, Quiet as the New Loud, got to, got to number one. Now, so let's talk about Right on an Empty Street for a bit. So this is way more instrumentally, at least, adventurous than their debut album. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to. So this is this is a, an opinion from me, right? And you can tell mm-hmm. me tell me how you feel. It's easy to, on a first listen, take most of their music, regardless of what album it is. And there is mm-hmm. quite varied instrumentation in in them. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. if you take the first record, it's quite stripped back, and there's only really them and a couple of features on there. And then, yeah. right on an empty street, is it's got a lot of artists on there. Uh, but it's easy to listen to the music and think, regardless of what album it is, it's quite simple and matter of fact, and there's not many layers to it. And it takes the third, fourth, fifth listen to really start hearing those layers and hearing the, you know, the different different flows, uh, the different currents. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that they've got a certain style that they are quite consistent with, and they don't really stray from that. Through for all their albums, really. I mean, yeah, I would say that Riot on Empty Street is their most uh, adventurous album out of out of all their their discography uh, in terms of the instruments they use and mm. arrangements, um, because they have a a bossa nova slash folky sound which they like to stick to and they're really good at, and that, and it just melds into their whole career. That is their sound. 
Mm. You know, and they are very good at that sound. Um, but if you want a career that's full of variety and uh, interesting, uh, interesting decisions with regards to genres, then this is not the band for you, really. Yeah. Yeah. So on on this album, Eric and Erland, they share the vocals. They both play guitar. I think both can play piano, but certainly on this record, Eric plays piano on one track. And then on top of that, they've got cello, viola, trumpet, banjo, upright bass, varied drums and percussion, Mm -hmm. a trombone. uh, And I think that's it. But it doesn't sound like they've got all of that (laughs) when you're listening to it. (laughs) It's really subtle. Um, like on Misread, so the, this question was about Misread, uh, the cello on that is really subtle. It's really organic and you, you barely mm. notice it's there unless you're really listening to it, but it mm-hmm. it definitely adds a warmth and a bit of body to the song. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't feel like a band. It feels like mm. it feels like instruments just, just popping in and out saying hello. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like it when people get credited for the tiniest things. And they always yeah. wonder what the story is behind it. And on, on the track, I'd Rather Dance With You, uh-huh. um, Erland plays the drums, but additional hi-hat and cymbal was credited to Peter Cates. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is that Peter Cates isn't like a distant cousin or something. He is a legit musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an American who lives in Norway. He's been credited for a whole bunch of other records. He's a music teacher. Uh, so I liked the idea that they called him in <laughs> to, to, to add the hi-hat. <laughs> they, yeah. They called well, him an extra um, musician for a bit of hi hat. Yeah, we well, you don't you know Stuart Copeland from the police. He gets work just for his hi hat work. No way, really? Yeah, this he's, is a thing. He's, yeah, because he's so good at hi hat. Like if you listen to any police song, the hi hat is just absolutely bananas. And yeah, yeah but if you're playing that's... it in a drum kit, sure. But if you're playing just a hi hat, surely it's not that hard to just be doing the hi hat, is it? Mm, if you want a particular sound, then I don't know. That's that's. That's how it goes. There's lots of subtleties that drummers can be really good at, and they might have to call someone in, especially for specific I, sound that they want. I stand corrected. I take it all back, and I'm sorry, Peter Cates, for undermining you. Turns out that but they it, did call Peter Cates in just for the hi hat. Yeah, but it's <laughs> you know, but it's 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 a fair it's a fair thing to look at. You know, it's it's a cool it's a cool thing to be credited for that. Yeah, I guess. Yes. Do you know how long they spent recording this album? Didn't it take them like a couple of years or something? Oh, I've got it in hours, like the a- oh, actual hours of recording. So no. Yeah, oh, they... I see. No. Yeah, so uh, Eric in, in an interview in two thousand four, Eric claimed that they spent around six hundred hours recording this album. Wow. He said it took them that long because they're perfectionists and they are ultimately disappointed in the record. <laughs> Yes, I've heard that. They've, they've said that they don't think it's very good. <laughs> yeah, he said they know they could be the best uh, and they won't be happy until they are the best. And so mm. they spent 600 hours recording it and they're still not happy with it. That's mad. That's mad. I mean, I imagine the uh, the the label were like, just hurry up and just give us something. Stop pissing about in the studio. Oh, do you know what? I should have looked more. I haven't looked at the labels, but I did. I, I briefly saw yesterday that are most, if not all, of their albums released on different labels? Uh, well, let's... I don't know, but let's have a look. So that was yeah. on Astral Verks. The first three, including Verses, were Astral Verks, and then Declaration of Dependence was Virgin, and then Peace and Love, Peace or Love was EMI. Okay, so they've hopped around a little bit. Because mm-hmm. I, I was wondering that, because they are... You know, to, to have spent 600 hours recording the album, and then Peace or Love, which we'll come to a bit later... 
uh, was another one that they spent several years. They recorded it multiple times. Oh, yeah. I don't know what label, when Kings of Convenience are the size they are, would accept mm-hmm. that, <laughs> that kind of behaviour. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess you spend, I guess you save a bit of money if there's only two of them. Although that, that doesn't, no, yeah. actually that's that's nonsense. No, studios don't work like that. They don't, yeah. they don't charge based on how many people are in there. <laughs> they charge by the hour. Yeah. Um, okay, no, that's a fair point. But if they are perfectionists, then yeah, that is what they want to do. And if they want to record, record an album, it's got to be perfect. So. The album cover for Riot on an Empty Street is, is Erland and Eric playing chess. And do you know who that is watching them? Yeah, that's Eric's wife or girlfriend. Yeah, I, I think I think she became his wife, didn't I? I think. Yes. Inga, I think. Um, yeah, but I, I looked this up actually because I know that you like to ask questions about covers. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I found articles saying that it was Liv Tyler, and I'm like, that's definitely not Liv Tyler. Oh like, yes, yeah. it's, it's definitely his girlfriend there. Inga. Yeah, yeah, but people were convinced it's Liv Tyler, and um, but this it looks a little but, bit like her. It, it looks a bit like her, yeah. Um, yeah, but she wasn't appearing on the cover of a. A unknown folk two piece from Norway, <laughs> just hanging out in Norway. Um, yeah, and she's actually in quite a lot of their videos as well. Oh, she, right. Yeah, she she pops in and um, you know she gives him a little kiss on the videos, and she's always she's always got this big smile. She seems to love the camera. It's her on the cover of um, Quiet as the New Loud as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, is that a good start? I can't remember if I decided to give you the point or not. Well, you said you said yes, but I I think I should take half a point because I didn't actually give you the lyrics. Is that okay. it? Season two, we're starting half points now. <laughs> I just want to get what I can. Okay, I'll give you half, I'll give you half a point. Oh, nice. Question two: What track on "Quiet Is the New Loud" features Ben Dumville on trumpet? Now, there's not a lot of featured artists on "Quiet Is the New Loud." So, can you think of any of them that have a trumpet? Uh, singing softly to me. Correct. Well done, mate. Mm. Yeah. Did you did you have that written down? Yeah. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there, there. But it is, as you say, it is very subtle. There isn't much instruments going on. If yeah, quite as a new loud, and that the uh, I guess the pace of the album doesn't really change much throughout it either. What else? There's some delicate cello. Mm-hmm. In there's... that's on failure, I think the cello. Maybe maybe elsewhere. I haven't written it down. And there's drums on failure as well. Now I yeah. I struggled with this record. And I think mm-hmm. also because it's the first on the list, so this was the first one I was listening to, and so it took me a while to get into Kings of Convenience because this is. I mean, it's a quiet album. It's a quiet, slow album, mm-hmm. and. And I think it's it's Eric's voice as well. Is mm-hmm. his voice is very airy and mm-hmm. ethereal, and it's and so you kind of feel like you're just floating on a cloud the whole time. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of the time, it doesn't really matter what music is going on in the background. As soon as he opens his mouth, it's mm-hmm. like it's so characteristic. Do you not think? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So I yeah. found the first few listens are a little bit. It's not a nice word to use, but a little bit monotonous. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, I, I do enjoy it. I think it's beautiful, and uh, I would listen to it again when I'm feeling when I'm feeling stressed and I want to chill out. But I I wouldn't 
I wouldn't pick out specific songs that I really enjoy because because a lot of it just kind of flows as one big thing. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's not you can't listen to it passively. It does mm. to have it on in the background. It'll just sound like one yeah. long song. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. You can definitely hear the the Simon and Garfunkel influence, can't you? Oh, they'll have you for that. <laughs> no way. That's that's. It's so obvious, though. I know, I mean, but on. they they hate it. Oh well, they they they're not really doing much to help that, though, are they? Yeah, they hate it's... it. They said, "Who said this?" I think this was a quote from Eric. Yeah, he said, I'm very bored with being compared to Simon and Garfunkel. This isn't interesting to be compared. It's so superficial because we sing harmonies and play guitar. We don't have much in common with them. I like it when people compare us to things that aren't so obvious, like being compared to Stereolab and Run DMC. Yeah, I wouldn't compare them to Run DMC. He says that they I haven't written this quote down, but he says that they did a live show and they played a song that's never been recorded on an album, but they played a song where they they do like a call and response and then afterwards someone said oh you you obviously listen to run dmc because it's very similar oh. and he said oh it was very clever that you picked that out because i am a big fan of run dmc so oh, he's, he likes it when people hear those uh oh. subtle influences right okay well um yeah no it's fair enough that they don't like it but it, it, yeah and it is it is obvious it's so obvious yeah <laughs> it's it's just like you know when they when they harmonize it's mm. just like, oh, well, come on, that's Simon and Garfunkel. Like, yeah. And, and, and I'm not putting them down for that because I right. love Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and also, there's, there's a lot of like the Bossa Nova stuff. Antonio Carlos uh, Jobim, he's, he's like the, the Bossa Nova superstar. You know, he did Girl from Ipanema and lots of others. Uh-huh. There's, there's a really clear sound of there. So, okay. um, especially with Eric, the way he plays, he does a lot of bossa nova. Yeah. And the, also the way he sounds, the way he sings, it's Jobim influence, definitely. Eric Go said on. at the time that uh, Quiet Is The New Loud came out, he said that his favourite band at that time were Ride, who are a 90s uh, British shoegaze band. Uh. And really interesting that, that that's what he was listening to at that time, because they're... They're like polar opposites, you know. Shoegaze is a genre that is overly layered with mountains of guitars piled up on top of each other, mm. and and Kings of Convenience are a style of music that is overly simplistic with as yeah. few layers yes. as possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Mm. Yeah, they had three singles off off their debut album, um, and they actually re-released two of those a second time. So they yeah released five times, released five singles really. The two that were re-released were Toxic Girl and Failure. Interesting fact about Toxic Girl hmm. is Enemy released uh, a sort of best of the year album called Enemy's Album of the Year in 2000 and... Oh gosh, I didn't write it down. 2001? Yeah, I think it was 2001. And Toxic Girl appeared on that alongside Jay-Z, Andrew WK, Slipknot, Gorillaz, The Strokes. And uh, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get how... They managed to get a track on that album. Toxic Girl didn't even make the top 40 in the UK. Mm, 44 you know? in the UK charts. 44, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. big a bit naughty to say didn't even make the top 40. But in the UK, the top 40 <laughs> is the important bit. Like, if you don't hit the top 40, then no one's really paying attention. And in fact, they didn't get a single track in the top 40 that year. So mm. if NME are releasing an album of the year with 20 tracks on it, they're picking the biggest tracks of the year. How did Kings of Convenience get on there? Well, did they not pick their favourite tracks of the year? Um, I mean, Enemy are trying to trying to sell, aren't they? 
wouldn't they be wouldn't they be including the tracks that they think everyone loved well yeah but maybe they're trying to branch out and and encourage the the folky readers as well as the the more rocky readers maybe I don't know. maybe i thought it was a bit odd i thought it was a bit odd that they got on there and i think it's actually that's a little bit characteristic of a of a lot of a lot of their success i don't understand a lot of because they've not they've not been commercially successful maybe in norway sure but online their fan base is all over the world yeah they are really sporadic about their releases mm-hmm. i don't know how they've managed to maintain that and 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 build such a, a solid fan base I mean, well done to them well done yeah i think what we've found though with smaller bands lesser known bands they can have really as you say really dedicated fan base yeah like like so much i mean if you look at look at some of our old episodes you know, people true. who yeah. people who love the the smaller bands really love them, and they want to tell everybody about them. Yeah, the name "Quiet is the New Loud." Do you know where that came from? No. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> Apparently, it was a comment on the fact that they felt music had just been getting louder and louder over the last few years, and people mm. got bored if they didn't have a constant noise. So they wanted to do something completely different. Mm. Um, and I guess yeah. I, I think about that time. I mean, it was two thousand one, wasn't it? So. Metal was more prominent, I guess, than it is yes. certainly nowadays. And, you know, the 90s, the grunge scene was a, a fairly mainstream movement. And rock had stayed at the top tiers of the charts for yeah, the 90, late 90s. And then new metal broke um, mm, the final yes. years of the 90s. And so, yes. so you did have, certainly in contrast to nowadays, you don't see a lot in the tops of the charts nowadays. But around the early noughties, you did have new metal making the charts. You had sort of softer pop rock like stereophonics the manics all all charting yeah yeah punk rock like blink 182 green day white stripes sun 41 they were all you know top of the charts so i guess the charts were a bit louder than they are nowadays and so um yeah certainly the, the folk that, that that they create had been more common in 60s and 70s where mm. king's convenience might have been a bit more comfortable for sure yeah yeah, definitely. It, it feels quite old-fashioned, but not in a bad way. Um, Toxic Girl, if you want to hear it and you, you have Shallow Hal in your DVD collection, it's used in that movie when Hal first sees Rosemary. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But I'm going to have to go back and listen to Toxic Girl and remind myself. Um... Question three. Ooh. Hang on, did you get question two? Oh, you did get question two. So you got one and a half points. I might take away that half point now. <laughs> you don't need oh, it. <laughs> damn it. No, one oh. and a half points. Question three. What is the name of Erland Oy's band that released their debut album in 2006? His band? Wait, wait. Who was it? Er- Erland Oy? Mm-hmm. This was The Whitest Boy Alive. That's right. Okay. So I say debut album, but they've only actually had two albums. So... First, first of two, <laughs> dreams in two thousand six, rules in two thousand and nine, and from my, have you listened to them? Uh, a little bit. I think they're just the band that Kings of Convenience are not really. I mean, their, their music is not drastically different. The difference is they're a band. They have a guitar, yeah. bass, drums, and an occasional piano. Yeah. But mm-hmm. their sound is still very laid back, simplistic, clean sounding, folky pop. Yeah. 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 And and Erlen's voice again, like Eric, is really recognisable, and mm-hmm. it's in this in exactly the same qualities, really. You know, the airiness and the way that he sings is very quiet and close to the mic, and it's yeah. got a, a yeah. really specific sort of flavour. Yeah, definitely. Um, did you listen to 
Erlen's solo stuff. No, you mean like his DJing stuff, or has he got like solo folk stuff? He's got actual solo, well, solo music. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it folk. It's more poppy sound. Ah, no, I haven't heard that. Well, actually, his first album I think is is more folky, but his second album um, was recorded in Reykjavik with a band called Hjalmar. I think that's how you pronounce it, oh. and they are a, an Icelandic reggae group, as as in they are. They are they are Icelandic and they play reggae. I don't know if there is a genre called Icelandic reggae, <laughs> but um, it does sound very Caribbean and very fun. Oh, cool! Very cool. Yeah, it's like it's a, it's a really cool sound actually. It sounds. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm, I was going to almost go towards like a Paul Simon um, comparison oh, there, but I won't. I won't do that. <laughs> oh, so um, lazy! You're so lazy. He also did an album with the drummer of Whitest Boy Alive, Sebastian Machat. They did an album spontaneously recorded when they were in quarantine. They were stranded in a hotel in Mexico in the start of 2020. And the hotel they were in conveniently had a recording studio in it. So so they recorded a they recorded an album and the session band were made up of people who worked in the hotel. Like the guitar oh, was wow. the guitar was done by the the hotel owner. And the whitest boy alive's tour manager uh, played the drums and things like that. And I think someone who worked in the bar, you know, did something mm. else. But <laughs> yeah, that's quite a fun album as well. Uh, yeah, that's... that's really cool. Yeah, I read, I read about it. I haven't heard it, and yeah. I didn't read as much as you did. But I'd, I'd read that yeah. he just spontaneously went, okay, well, let's record something if we're here. It's very upbeat. Lots of nice drums and fun. Really funky, actually. Funky guitar and bass. It's called. Cool. Quarantine at El Ganzo. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. I'm going to take a listen to that. Um, and maybe I should listen to his other solo stuff as well. He's a really interesting character, Erland. He is. Yeah, he is very interesting. He's a bit yeah, of a nut looks, job. He's a bit crazy, isn't he? I think he looks a bit like a mixture of um, Jarvis Don't Cocker say and... Art Garfunkel. Don't say Art Garfunkel. No, he doesn't look like Art Garfunkel. <laughs> <laughs> just because just, just he sounds like him, it doesn't mean he looks like him. Um <laughs> he looks like a mixture of Jarvis Cocker and Bill Gates, I think. Or he looks like oh, good, um, cool. or he looks like everyone's favourite quirky history teacher. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> he looks like Napoleon Dynamite as well, I guess. <laughs> His hair's a bit more floppy. He's uh Erland is really funny. There there's yeah. a, there's a few interviews with them uh where Eric has Eric is also funny, um, but he's got a very dry humour and mm-hmm. I'm just never sure if anything that Eric says is serious. Mm-hmm. Um, or is it a joke? But Erland is just like certainly in his younger years. I think now he's a bit more, he's straightened out a little bit. But in their yeah. early years as a band, he was a he was a bit of a nut job. <laughs> he was just like, yeah, he would yeah. just say the most random things in interviews, and yeah, it was just a bit crazy. But um, happy with life. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched a documentary about them actually. I I couldn't tell you what it's called, but it's it's pretty much the only documentary on youtube and lots of people who work with them say how strange it is that eric and erland work well so well together because they're so different Mm. like eric is very calm and chilled and more philosophical you know he's got his psychology degree and he likes playing chess and he's he stayed in bergen in norway you know his whole life with his family Erland travels the world you know he lives in Sicily and he goes to South America and he's just like this crazy bohemian free spirit who yeah. who speaks his mind and you know that they sometimes have these really funny arguments like there's an argument they have uh, like the cameraman's following them going into an airport 
and they're arguing about whether they should be speaking Norwegian or in English. And I can't remember which one thinks which, but they get really heated about it. Like, oh, no, they should know that we're an international band and, you know, it's okay <laughs> to speak English. No, but we, we, they should know that we are proud of, of being Norwegian. Like, this is who we are. And they get really angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> they are totally different characters. And it's, it's quite nice that they gel so well when they're on stage. Yeah. Before Erland ended up in Sicily, he, um, he moved to Berlin in 2002 yeah. And, and then his career took some, some weird turns. Like, I mean, well, I don't know if it's weird, but certainly if you're listening to Kings of Convenience and then you follow Erlen's career, it is, oh. it's unexpected. So he, he moved to, to Berlin where he... Well, actually, go back to Whitest Boy Alive. They started out as an electronic dance music project. <laughs> I don't oh, know yeah. if you knew that. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't know that. No. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know what that means, but uh, apparently they just organically morphed into... Uh, a band but they started out doing electronic dance music and Erland he does make electronic music as well he started DJing in 2002 uh, and messing with electronic music production uh, to the point where I mean I guess he's reasonably successful as a DJ he was featured on the DJ Kicks series of records they did a a record for him and yeah it's it's kind of from, from my perspective it's a little unexpected the the DJ Kicks album that he released is really quite um, quite eclectic, quite obscure. You know, he's he's got one tune by The Rapture on there, and he's got a whole bunch of a cappella tunes, which is not mm. what you expect to hear on an album that is supposed to be showcasing your DJing. But he's got a whole mm. bunch of a cappella tunes that is just him singing. And apparently, on his live sets, he's well known. It's yeah, it, it's really common for him, and people say this is like a character of his DJing. He sings over tracks. He'll he'll mm. often sing the vocals over tracks live. That's cool. Yeah, in an yeah. interview he said he said it's great because he doesn't he doesn't drink much. He, he rarely drinks and he doesn't do any drugs or smoke or anything. And he says it's great to DJ f- for people who are on ecstasy. You can just play any record and they go crazy, and then you think, oh, I'm great, but you're not really. They'll just dance to whatever. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. That's a good way to go if you want to be a successful musician. Yeah. I found he did a solo album during his DJing phase called Unrest, and it was recorded in 10 different cities, one for each track, and each one had a different producer. Oh, wow. Yeah. I haven't really listened to it much. I've I've flicked in and out, but yeah, it's a pretty adventurous project, I think. He he likes to travel. Yeah, yeah. I am... I'm definitely going to listen to that because Foo Fighters tried to do that and it's ended up sounding like they'd recorded it all in the same studio in the same city. So hopefully his does sound like 10 very different tracks. Yeah, you kind of don't want it to be just a little gimmick. You know, you want it to actually sound yeah, sound varied, don't you? Yeah, exactly. All right, well, you're actually killing it. Oh, I'm so, I'm so happy about that. Two and a half out of three. So you can you can go home now if you want. <laughs> That's not bad, is it? As uh, Meatloaf used to say, two and, a, <laughs> two and a half out of three ain't bad. Question four: What track on "Peace or Love" shares its name with a household appliance? Oh, I don't have the the list of songs in front of me. So if I saw the, I guess if I saw the list in front of me, then I would be able to tell you, wouldn't I? Yeah, but that would definitely be cheating. <laughs> That's like the, the definition of cheating. If I had the answer in front of me. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, but it might be like some weird household appliance that they only have in Norway. No, no, no. It's know. a very common, very common household appliance. They have it. Uh, 
Well, oh, washing machine. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> I remember there's a lyric about spinning around in your washing machine or something. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that that has really stuck with me. Yes. Oh, that honestly, honestly, I just just remembered that. So. Yeah, yeah, you got it. That's that's why I picked it. It is it is a weird one. It's like the lyrics are hilarious, and yeah. and the and the way they're delivered is really sort of deadpan, but they're ridiculous lyrics. Yeah. So he yeah. says, "I can't count how many times I've tumbled round inside your washing machine." <laughs> that's the opening. Yeah, line. that's right. What does that mean? <laughs> Yeah, all, I think all the other albums are quite not serious, but they're quite contemplative. Yeah, is that yes. a word? Contemplative, contemplative. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah, in their subject matter. Whereas I think that peace or love, and this is this is contrary to what I've read in a few reviews actually, but I think peace or love has got some. It's it's got a little uh, injection of fun in it mm. that is missing yeah, on yeah. some of their other records. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, yeah. I was just um, I was just having a look at the the list of tracks and and back to my my point before i imagine i was thinking like oh i wonder if you know in norway like there's a household appliance called a fever or <laughs> or a ask for help which is like a weird little telephone <laughs> no you think far too highly of me if you think that's the quality of my questions <laughs> i'm gonna go get the ask for help i want to ask for help <laughs> Anyway, sorry, it's washing machine. It's yes. washing machine, yeah. So I think it's a fun, it's a fun album. There's, there's a jovial quality to a few of the tracks on this album, and I think sure. that's missing on some of their prior releases. This is the album that I said, I think I mentioned it earlier, that they recorded it a bunch of times. They recorded this album beginning to end six times. Mm, six times, bloody yeah. hell. Over a few years, they were never happy with the sound of it, and so they kept re-recording it. And I saw, I saw one interview with one producer they used. They used him twice. And he, in the interview, he genuinely looked really pissed off because he, the he brought a like a mobile studio kind of thing. I think he referred to it as a mobile studio. I don't know if that means it's a mobile studio or whether it's just all the all the gear and he brings it to their house. But he said, "Oh, I had to bring all of that down to Bergen, and uh, then I had to do it again two years later." <laughs> uh, and they were still never happy with the sound. They they recorded it all in Sicily as well at one point uh, where Erland lives, and yeah, they were just never happy with it. So. Even though it was 12 years between albums, Eric said that they were 100% complete by 2016. That's mad. But then they didn't actually release it until 21, was it? Came out in 2021. Yeah. So that's a long time, isn't it? That's crazy. I mean, yeah, if you worked in that studio, you'd be you'd be pretty pissed off, wouldn't you? Yeah, totally. I mean, mm. that, that, that sort of, that just shows you what kind of, musicians they are you know they are they are perfectionists yeah feist returns on this album as well oh yeah leslie yes. feist leslie feist she features on all their records apart from quiet is the new loud i like her voice yeah i like her voice yeah and it's it's it, it melds perfectly with with the ambience of, of kings of convenience yeah. their music and and their vocal qualities as well yeah definitely, definitely yeah she has a very similar weightlessness to her voice as both erland and eric yeah. Do you know how they first met? How they got involved with each other? Because I mean, she's Canadian, right? She lives. Well, I'm yeah. I don't know. I'm making that up. Does she live in Canada? I, I know she's a Canadian singer-songwriter. She's a member of uh, Broken Social Scene, which are a, a Canadian indie rock group. So I'm guessing she lives in Canada. I wonder how they first got involved with each other. Yeah, I'm curious. I don't. I don't actually know. Yeah, they obviously get on well because, they, as I say, they've worked together for all uh, Kings of Convenience records apart from their debut, mm. and they work really well together. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, I've got to say, have you watched any of Kings and Convenience's videos? 
I have. I, I wasn't blown away by many. A lot of them just tend to be them sitting there with guitars. Um, yeah. So I, I can't remember the names of the tracks, but I can certainly remember the videos. So that, there's one good one where it starts off them playing guitars on a rooftop, I think. And yeah, then, and and then the camera takes off and it's on mm-hmm. a drone and then it just flies yeah. over what I'm guessing is the town of Bergen, maybe? Yeah, yeah, that's me and you. Yeah, it's it's, it's very pretty. Yeah. yeah. Def- I think a lot of their videos are basically like tourist uh, videos for Norway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're very, they're very Scandinavian. Um, the, the one for Rocky Trail, which is on Peace or Love album, it's such a Scandinavian video, I think, because it looks like they, they filmed it in an Ikea showroom. Yes, they, it does, yeah. And, and Erlen's walking around with his guitar and Eric is sitting down. But yeah, it looks like, um, yeah, it looks like they're in an apartment, right? But it is a very incredibly Scandinavian apartment. Yeah, like there's a bed hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And then uh, Eric goes up to the bed, he lies on it, and then he starts playing chess by himself. (laughs) And then there's these random people walking around in the kitchen, like cutting up oranges and like throwing throwing their vegetables in the air. And it's like, it just really feels like an Ikea advert. I wanted to do a question on the music video, but I just couldn't find a video that was, that had anything obscure in it or anything that you would remember miss red is just them hanging out in the park boat behind is quite cute like they're they're driving around and picking up hitchhikers who are all going to different places you know when they hold a board up and it says where they want to go yeah hitchhikers uh someone says far another one says work so people are going far someone's going to work someone says mexico another person says the ocean and they have a boat so they just put the boat at the back of the car and that's it they're just driving around picking up people Oh, I wish I'd watched yeah. that. I could have done something with that. It's quite cute, yeah. What else? And I, I'd Rather Dance With You is quite a famous video. I think I got some awards. That's um, the one in the ballet studio. Yeah, Erland basically teaches loads of kids who are in a ballet studio. He teaches them how to do his funny little... How would you describe that dance? I haven't <laughs> seen the video. so I, And I've seen oh, the, yeah. the thumbnail of it, so I haven't, I haven't watched it. Oh, it's really sweet. It's a sweet video. And then they do they do a little ballet concert on stage all these little kids and they start doing his dance mm. it's like a whimsical little Willy that's Wonka-ish nice. thing but yeah I like it Yeah, that's nice um, just on uh, you know other people they've worked with so obviously Feist has worked with them Leslie Feist has worked with them since Riot on an empty street and then someone else who has worked with them throughout their career is David Bertolini and Ooh. he is uh, well, he plays bass for them on occasion, quite a few occasions. Generally, whenever mm-hmm. they've got an upright bass, it's David, David Bertolini playing uh-huh. on there. And he has also co-produced and mixed uh, Right on an Empty Street, Declaration of Dependence, and Peace or Love. So even though they've, you know, those three records were all released on different labels, they've used him. I say co-produced. I think Kings Convenience have co-produced as well. So I mean, they're 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 heavily involved in the in the, right. the overall production of the records and David Bertolini has mixed those as well so he's been an important and consistent part of their journey uh, I've got to say the upright bass is really nice on yeah. right on Empty Street the, the bass I was listening to it like oh that's beautiful it's, yeah. it's so well recorded and really funky it's really nice I mean I would say like it's interesting how they don't um, you know like a lot of artists they, they keep adding more and more guests let's just bring an orchestra in or a choir in or uh, lots of new interesting in- instruments but these guys don't do that they just seem to stick to the main focus being their two voices and their two guitars 
and very occasionally other instruments popping in and out but they they don't really they don't really stray from that at all and and i find that quite brave to be honest it's brave but it's also it's it's i've we've not we've definitely not looked at a career like theirs before where they've just not they're just comfortable doing what they're doing and they're really not trying what one sad thing is an interview that i read from back in early 2000s so i think they'd only released the first two records erland had said that due to their contract he said it doesn't matter if we sell ten thousand or a million we're not getting any more money Mm. and that was a that was in response to the interviewer saying you don't seem too bothered about success (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and he said well because of our contract it doesn't matter if we sell ten thousand or a million we're not getting any more money for it Mm. Uh, so you know making the music is is what we're passionate about not selling records that's Uh, quite a nice position to be in though isn't it i guess so takes the pressure off yeah i guess so all right question five in the opening verse to fever why do you have a fever so i'll give you the beginning the beginning of the line is fever you've got a fever because yeah that doesn't help (laughs) um (laughs) Uh, I, what would give I you really a fever? What would give you a fever? Uh, love? Oh, love? Clo- close. So the line is, you've got a fever because you had too much fun. Okay. Right? If you're not having fun, it's not love. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> so the second, the second verse, you have a fever because you were driving around on your scooter at Christmas time with funky clothes on. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've all been there. Uh, third verse you have a fever in return for taking care of that same one who now is gone and can't take care of you to finish the study the final verse i've got a fever of a different kind and it makes me want oh so he's horny (laughs) we've totally turned this song on its head haven't we (laughs) (laughs) i know he wrote it for his friend who was actually having a fever well that's that's put a spin on it that i wasn't expecting i think because i think that lyrics like um you have a fever because you were driving around on your scooter at christmas time with funky clothes on mm. i thought that was another example of how peace or love is a bit more jovial than their other mm. albums but if this song was written about a friend who was sick then maybe not so much i think no i think it was it was dedicated to them i don't think it's it's about them exactly just some background for the listener so this is fever is track six on peace or love uh, which we were talking about during question four, so I won't don't need to go into that. But I think there's 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 two buckets of lyrics really for Kings of Convenience. You've got the deeply introspective musings on love and travel. I think are the main subjects, and then you have kind of batshit crazy stuff, which I think that Erland is the one that injects a bit of batshit crazy in there. But I'm just it's purely speculation. Yeah, I think that he likes to add a little bit of craziness to it. Um, but I do think that the first few albums are very much leaning on that introspective, really deep, just thinking and contemplating on love and travel and life and things like that. Because yeah. because Eric is, I mean, we talked a bit about Erland being the traveller and he's he's got his fingers in all sorts of different pies. He's got loads of different projects and he likes loads of different genres. Eric, on the other hand... He was studying his degree in psychology when their debut came out. And in that interview I mentioned earlier that that I read in The Guardian from... uh, I've got it written here, 2002 that interview was. He said that he wanted to be a city planner. He said city planning is his number one passion in life. 
Wow. Does he does he do city planning? I don't know. I can't find much out about Eric. He's not as he doesn't talk as much as Erland. He's very and... quiet, isn't it? Yeah. That would be a interesting side project for a musician. Yeah, you know, I also plan cities. Yeah, he see, he genuinely he said his words were that is my number one passion in life. But then there is also that thing about both of them where sometimes I don't get their jokes and <laughs> I don't know if they're being serious or not. Yeah, if he if he I think I like to think if he planned a city it would be a really quiet city like no one would be allowed to make any noise yeah or it would be shaped like a chessboard they love their chess don't they i think he particularly loves chess yeah but chess is on was it three of their album covers yeah yeah they're playing chess on peace or love they're playing chess on right on an empty street Uh, and on quiet is the new loud yeah declaration Mm. of dependence they're sitting on a beach aren't they yeah the uh the chessboard is is somewhere else yeah, it's just off shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been buried in the sand. Yeah, I, I I read that apparently the chess represents their rivalry. Yeah, it's all about who's the most talented, who's the smartest, and they're very competitive when they're mm. together. Yeah, they said they're very competitive. Just on uh, on their lies again. <laughs> just <laughs> how you've got to take everything with a pinch of salt. Mm. They have been friends since youth, but stories they've told interviewers in the past is that they. What they once said that they met in the Norwegian embassy in Pakistan. Oh wow! And in another interview, they said that they met in an inter-school geography competition. <laughs> they went to the same school, though. They yeah, they went the to the class. same school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess, I guess, interviewers didn't know that. They asked them how yeah. they first met, and to take the piss out of interviewers, they would give weird answers. That is cool. The name Kings of Convenience. Do you know where that comes from? Wasn't it just because they thought it was convenient to keep it as simple as possible? Yep. As we say, that they keep everything really simple. Yeah. and focus on making that as good as they can yeah and regardless of who you compare it to their voices do gel really nicely yeah definitely and there, there was context to that um desired simplicity as well so they were in a band together called skog which we haven't talked about yet and i don't really have a great deal to say about skog i haven't listened to their music i don't know if they're still going do you know anything about skog skog means forest mm-hmm. and that was a reference to the cure from a forest by the cure um, oh, right. And they had a short but respectable run in Bergen, including doing a cover of Joy Division's Eternal. They had one EP and then later became Kings of Convenience. Well, they they became shorter and became Kings of Convenience. Yeah, so yeah. that's that's where that simplicity came in. So they, they decided that they wanted to just make music with them and their acoustic guitars because it was simpler and easier to get together as a, than, than having a whole band. I think they were on holiday in Tunisia. And that was a time where they could take a breather and it was just them. And they said, oh, wouldn't it be easier if we just had the two of us and acoustic guitars? And we didn't have to worry about a band or anything like that. Yeah. And so that's why they called themselves Kings of Convenience. Oh, that makes sense. And, and they also go around with their sound engineer. He's called Andre Treby. He's been their sound engineer for ages, I think from the start. And it's always just the three of them. It's convenience oriented as they said they 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 love that it's just the three of them going around andre understands exactly what they need and he said it took them five years to understand how to mix them properly because because their sound is so delicate Mm. in the venues they asked for the bars to be shut and for everyone to be absolutely silent to make sure the sound is is just right i bet they are a pain in the ass to host (laughs) they're an absolute pain yeah and I saw someone say on Reddit that they went to a concert and someone lit a cigarette and when they lit their lighter, everyone shushed them. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the kind of culture around it, isn't it? I guess that's a very folky thing. And 
they are so mellow and so gentle and yeah. you want everything to just be about that sound don't you because their their, yeah. their voices and the guitars as they blend so beautifully it's so mellow so nice you don't want any little you know rustling of popcorn or anything ruining it yeah, yeah i saw an interview with uh, with erland in the early days and he was about to go on tour and the interviewer said are you excited you're nervous and he he said and he genuinely looked it he said oh we're really not looking forward to it like it's it's really stressful it's hard recreating acoustic the acoustic sound live it's hard using acoustic instruments live yeah um yeah. we always worry that it's not going to sound as it sounds in the studio so i mean they are they're so heavily focused on we need to sound perfect all the mm. time aren't they yeah because you're so exposed, aren't you? When you just got acoustic mm. guitars, yeah, I guess yeah. You, you can't put loads of effects on them. You know, it's just you and your fingernails doing the job. That's it. Well, yeah. you ended with three and a half points. That is that my record? It's certainly your record for season two, mate. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not saying that's not saying much. I think three and um, a half is probably your record. Yeah, by I that think half probably, point. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, that's that's exciting. Yeah, you that's really it. good. I was I was so down about the Frell episode last time, which I didn't. I didn't do so well in that quiz. Let's just oh, say. but how how good was Steve though? Oh, he's great, really good. Yeah, oh, he really knew his stuff. Let's uh, let's skip over to listen to Len. We're going to skip into the future here because I haven't spoken to Len yet. But by the power of the magic of podcasting, we're going to jump into the future and speak to Len and see how he does with these. It's a friend of mine, Luke Jackson, who's a great musician himself. I think it's LukeJackson.com. Anyway, he was um, he got married I believe, in two thousand and one um, when the first album came out, and he he's a he's a music head. I mean, he really knows an extraordinary amount about music, and he knew he knows, of course, that I love music. So he said, "Oh, you, Lenny, you've got to listen to this band called Kings of Convenience," and I think he might even have given me the first CD. I think he might even have done that. It was at his wedding reception, a wedding, uh, sort of a reception for his wedding. It was quite funny. But but that was how I started to hear about this. Um, and I think the reason you knew I'd like it is because I tend to play acoustic guitar. And uh, <clears throat> in fact, right now, I've been doing all these covers of Kings and Convenience songs on my YouTube channel. In any event, um, that's when I first heard about them, in about 2001, when the first album came out. And... Uh, and of course, I religiously bought everything uh, since that time, and you know, started to explore what else uh, the two of them had done. You did stress in the build-up to this conversation that your interest was really around the music, and you might not know anything uh, with regards to the, the meta and the fluff around them. But to have been involved, uh, or you know, to have been listening to them since two thousand and one, that's quite a long time. It, it is, although it's funny. It's funny you should say that because you know, <clears throat> so I listened to all the albums a lot, but actually, I think that probably over the last few years so there's probably like a five or even ten year gap i didn't listen to them that much at all i sort of listened to them once in a while they they came up in my playlist but actually i wasn't that focused on it and it was only when their most recent uh, album uh, peace of love peace or love was released i think it was last year that i thought oh hang on they've got a new album after many years of not having a new something to listen to and um, i thought it was just so brilliant i actually went back to listen to the you know, the, the first few albums that they had um, and just really rediscovered them, which is, in fact, why I started recording all these covers, because I realized that there was so much I, I hadn't heard, if, if you see my point, properly the first time I, I heard it. And of course, you know, as a musician today, compared with, you know, 20, 20 something years ago, 
I'm a very different musician today than I was then. The way I play, sure. the way I sing is very different. So it actually was a completely, it was almost like a completely new experience in a sense. I knew all these songs really well, at least the old songs I knew them all very well. But I heard them all through a different lens this time. And it was quite interesting to realize that I was picking up things that I just didn't pick up the first time. And again, I, I tend to listen more to the musical content than the actual lyrics. Um, and I was picking a lot of stuff, both in the, the, the guitar playing and the, and the harmonies as well as the lyrics, um, you know, this time around, which is great. And of course, the new album's fantastic as well. And uh, and bizarrely, despite having listened to them for, you know, well over 20 years, I'd never been to see them live and, until they played the Royal Festival Hall. They, so they did a series of concerts in in, um, in the UK last October, around October. And it was, you know, just coming out of COVID. And um, I, I've been pretty careful through COVID, so I didn't really want to go to a concert, but I could not miss this one. <laughs> and they were playing the Royal Festival Hall, and uh, and so I attended that uh, with my son, actually, who is also a huge fan, which is re- really nice, my 17-year-old. Um, and it, it was just such a magical experience to hear them play these songs. You know, after, They haven't toured very much at all. I think they'd done one or two um, gigs in, in Norway in, in April or May of, of last year, but the UK gigs were really their first proper gigs in quite a long time. And was it just them on stage or did they have uh, any backing musicians? No, it was just them. And, and actually, I much prefer, just my personal preference, I much prefer it when it's just them um, because occasionally they will play with other musicians. In fact, they just did a series of concerts in Mexico uh, over the last sort of month or two. And, uh, you know, they, they had, as they do in some of these concerts, they, they do have uh, someone playing bass and drums and sometimes violin as well. And there's a hilarious moment in one of the Mexico concerts, which is on YouTube, where the bassist plays a wrong note and, and Eric actually <laughs> plays a right note and then turns around. I, 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 he's too nice to glare at anyone, but I can just imagine what's going on in his head. Why are you playing that note? It was quite funny. Definitely. They're perfectionists, aren't they? I can't imagine they'd stand for that. <laughs> Which is, funnily enough, I read an interview. Well, there's a wonderful documentary um, about them after the, the, you know, the last release. So there's a documentary on YouTube, which is uh, f- which came out following their latest release, and in there, one of the, uh, the their main sound engineer, who's been working with them for I think well over a decade, if not the whole time, said you know the two of them are really anal about their sound, and that's so funny because I'm exactly like that. I'm so particular about very very small things that no one will ever pick up, mm-hmm. but they do. And the fascinating thing about them is that they actually, apparently, uh, according to the interviews, they record all their all their recordings live, which means the two of them are playing at the same time into you know microphones, one for voice, one for guitar. Mm. And if any slight mistake is made, they have to start again, because of course you can't edit when there are four live microphones going on at the same time. So that they've explained that's why it takes so long to actually record one of these albums because, you know, a slight scratch of a fingernail on a string will create a quite awful sound and then they have to start all over again so so it, it's it suits my personality as well that they're so you know particular about little things wow and are you do you play live um i haven't for quite a long time i used to play live in the london circuit quite a bit i used to play with um a, sing- a wonderful singer called sophie barker who um became well known because she used to work with zero seven so I did, you know, quite a few concerts with her. And we used oh. to play as a duo and then she did an album, but not in the last few years. I, I Unfortunately, I have a, a, a proper career I have to yeah. <laughs> I have to go and be serious about. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's get down to question time. The bit that the bit that you've been dreading. 
I've got I've got five questions for you. Five correct answers, and we will give you the label of super fan. Uh, it doesn't mean anything. You don't have to worry about that. But it just means that you can go around telling people that you're a super fan of Kings and Convenience. Oh goodness. Okay. <laughs> let's let's have a go then. <laughs> so question one. Question one is a lyric. I want you to complete the lyric from Misread. All throughout history, the loneliest people were the ones who what? Oh, who always spoke the truth. Ah, oh, look at that. Straight that that's one the of their most famous. I mean, that that is probably their most famous song. So, and is this um, one that you play? I I haven't yet. I I've been practicing a lot, and it is on my list of things to cover. But yeah, I, I do play. I know how to play the guitar part, and now it's just get, getting comfortable singing the lyrics. But this song is, as I said, probably their biggest song, um, and the one that they always, they always close their shows, as far as I can tell, with either this song or with the other song called Know How, which uh, which is another very famous song of theirs. But yeah, I, I know the song very well. Well, it's kind of hard to gauge from. Someone who, di- I, I mean, I didn't know Kings of Convenience at all going into this. Mm-hmm. This band was recommended to us by a listener. And it's difficult sometimes to gauge how big Kings of Convenience are because I think that their following is, I mean, they're not massively commercially successful, but they have a very strong following uh, spread around the globe and some, some real hardcore fans. And that information is not necessarily readily available on the internet to know what is popular amongst those fans and what people think. And it's it's very underground, I, I feel. It's a very strange band. They are huge in Asia. So I'm I'm actually originally from Singapore. And uh, so my, I've asked my friends, because oh, I haven't lived in Singapore for 25 years, and, and my friends who put on concerts, they say, oh, yeah, we've, we've brought them into Singapore and they've played it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Not, not recently, but they have. And they have a huge fan base in Indonesia. Uh, in fact, last so at the same time they were in London last October that when I went to see them at the Royal Festival Hall, they actually put out a note on their Facebook page to say, "Are there any Indonesian fans in London? We will do a special show for you." And it turns out that there's a big festival in Indonesia called the Mola Chill Festival, and they were doing a recording for that. So they wanted to have all these Indonesian fans in London in a room in London with them, and all these people showed up. Um, and it's 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 quite funny, but they are they're huge in, in Korea and in Indonesia. There's all this footage of of fans singing all their songs in you know in in North and Southeast Asia. It's quite interesting. Yeah, so interesting. Why do you think that is? I, I have no idea. I, I mean, there's a certain romanticism about their songs, which yeah. I really love, and and not to stereotype of anything because they're they're equally huge in Latin America, like in Mexico. You know, there was so much hype about their show they did several shows in, in mexico um as i said a few weeks ago so they're clearly the odd thing though is that i i haven't seen that much buzz with them in the united states so I, I can't quite work out they're very popular in latin america and asia and europe as far as i can tell but you won't find m- much footage of them playing you know new york city or chicago places like that yeah well i immediately think i've gone a bit too easy on these i'm regressing my <laughs> <laughs> I'm regretting my questions. Uh, question two. So far, you're 100%. So, question two. What track on Quietest and New Loud features Ben Dumville on trumpet? Trumpet. Goodness. Um, let me just think about it for a second. Um, is it? Is it leaning against the wall? Oh, it's not. Oh, it's not. It's not. It's <laughs> well, singing softly to me. Oh, of course. Yes, yeah. of course. It's subtle, but it's it, it. There's not a lot of features on that on that album. It's a pretty no, stripped there, back there album. No, there isn't. And that was it. Now, come on, that was pretty obscure. Singing softly to me 
is very so I've, that's one of the songs i've been i've been playing as well but of course i don't again i tend to listen to the guitar more than anything else mm. and the really interesting thing about that song is that if you listen to the the album track sing softly to me you hear the guitar played in this very distinctive they call it bossa nova but it's not it's a brazilian style playing and when you when he plays it live he adds a note that's not in the recording and the note is actually a very discordant note and i can't work out why he does that <laughs> so, but yes yeah, sorry i got that wrong so i guess I'm, I'm not getting the full five marks <laughs> oh well we'll see maybe there'll be a bonus at the end we'll have to see it's i'm glad you said it was a tough one thank god i've got at least one tough question in there <laughs> would you say that quiet is the new loud you know it's, it's the most raw of all their records would you say that's the easiest album to to do justice to as a solo artist not really in fact <clears throat> in fact there are a couple of songs in there which are actually very difficult to play okay um so 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 the most famous i think the most famous track from there is probably winning a battle losing the war um which is i think it's track one and that has a that that if you if you weren't paying attention you you, you forget in fact that you have to tune the guitar differently to play that song and it's quite a complex song to play um, one of the more difficult ones. I think the the other albums are. I wouldn't say they're more difficult. They're all they're all wonderful. I think in their own way. So I wouldn't say one is easier than the other. But that first track is actually quite tricky because there's a tuning. The second string of the guitar is tuned differently from the rest of the guitar. All right. Well, question three. Hopefully, you can pull it back. Question three. We're we're moving away from their music a little bit. What is the name of Erland Oye's band that released their debut album in 2006? 2006? Oh, that would have been The Whitest Boy Alive, must be the band. Yeah, maybe. correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's more recently been playing with a with a, a small trio, I think. I think it's a trio called La Comitiva. Um, I think that's since he, he's, he's been living in, in Italy, I think Sicily, um, over the last few years. But yeah, Whitest Boy Alive had... I think they have had more than one release. I certainly, I can certainly visualize the very first release. I was very excited because it's more danceable. It's, and it's a wonderful album, actually, that first album. I haven't heard it for a while, but I remember it. Funnily enough, I find it quite similar to Kings of Convenience. But I think Erlen's got a very distinctive voice. And I think his voice over any music makes it sound very similar to Kings of Convenience. Yes. Yes, that's true. Even even the, the you know he's done a couple of dance or very dance oriented. He had one DJ Kicks, I think it was. And if you're right, it still sounds like Kings of Convenience because it's so distinctive. <laughs> Are there any other side projects by either of them that you have paid attention to? I've actually listened a little bit over the pandemic to to Eric's um, a project called Commode, um, and and it's funny because when I when I listened a little bit to Commode, it sounds a little bit. It's not like White is Boy, uh, White is Boy Alive, but it's it's not that different. It's kind of it's kind of dance danceable, um, but it's very organic, right? So there's no there's no synthesizers, as far as I can tell, anyway. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, there's roads and guitars and drums, but and it's it's groovy, and it's really quite nice um, because it's quite different from what you normally associate um, Eric's music to be. But but yeah, I, I, that's what I've been listening to a little bit over the pandemic. Okay, two two out of three. So. Question four. Uh, I feel we're coming to the easy bits now, so you're on you're on the home stretch. What track on Peace or Love shares its name with a household appliance? Ah, oh, washing machine. Wow, that was too easy for you. Well, there aren't that many songs on the album, and that's so obvious. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a hilarious someone on YouTube put an hour's worth of washing machine 
So basically, they just oh, wow. that song over and over. I don't know why someone would do that, but it's really quite funny. And it's quite, and funnily enough, speaking of tricky songs to play, that's actually quite tricky because the, the chord shapes are not as obvious as some of the other songs that they play. Um, but but I, like, I like that song. It's quite unusual, um, mm. but I like it. Regarding the, the hour's worth of washing machine, is it a particularly well-known track by them or a particularly well-loved track? I don't think so. I mean, the, 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 <laughs> the popular tracks from Peace or Love are probably Rocky Trail. I've done, I've done a cover of that. Uh, Fever uh, is a popular track. Battle Country. Those were, I guess, those are quite upbeat. Washing Machine is an odd. It's actually quite an odd sounding song, actually. It, you, to me, as a musician, I love the chords they're using, but I can imagine that to someone who isn't listening for that kind of musical content, it might sound a little bit strange. So, yeah, I don't think it's probably one of the more popular songs. But you know, it's such a great album that people probably just listen to the album front to end anyway. Yeah. You made a perfect segue into question five when you mm-hmm. mentioned Fever. So we're going to end mm-hmm. here with with a lyric, and uh, there's going to be an opportunity here to win that that fifth point back. So question five is: In the opening verse to Fever, why do you have a fever? Uh, too much fun, I think. Too much fun. That's right. Well done. <laughs> and uh, and and you 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 missed out on question two. Um, so to to win that point back, I want you to tell me in the second verse why do you have a fever. Uh, scooter, something about scooter. <laughs> Riding are. around your scooter. Uh, yes, right. Riding around your scooter in Christmas time with funky clothes. They don't take go. care of you. That's exactly the lyric. <laughs> so, and uh, it's funny because I think, I think, um, I, I can't remember whether it was a concert that I attended or some other concert I've seen in YouTube where, where Erlen's explained, um, or some, no, it might have even been the documentary where, no, that's right. It was a documentary where, where, where Eric was explaining how Erlen comes up with these songs. And in the case of fever, he said it was because someone had a fever. One of their friends, Erlen's friend had a fever and he just wrote the song in like three minutes. It was just a snap of a finger and there it was. Um, and that documentary is, is really wonderful, but it's quite funny. Um, I can just see it happening as well. It's, it's very, to me, it's very much an Erlen song because it's so yeah. um, mischievous. You know, it's, it's, it suits his personality. If you see them on stage, he's the one who's always dancing around and being funny and and Eric is like the calm, serious one, at least again optically. That's what what I observe. Definitely. I mean, even for someone who didn't know Kings of Convenience, like myself, that's very obvious to me. Uh, this is definitely sounds like an Erlen song, and it, it's got a bit yeah. of cheekiness to it, and it's a bit silly. And yeah, but it, but it's also I think one of the more popular songs on the album. I think it might have been a single. I I don't really follow watch out singles these mm. days, as you know, but but uh, yeah, it was certainly one of the popular ones. Well, I think that, you know, regardless of the questions, I would say you definitely know your stuff about King's Convenience. You, you deserve five out of five. You're definitely a super fan, whether you think it or not. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you did a smashing job. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. If anyone is listening that doesn't know King's of Convenience, what would you say in a couple of sentences to, to get them to, uh, to start listening? I think if you are feeling... It's like a warm blanket... Um, the two voices are so, the two individuals are so different in personality, but when they sing together, it is it is actually like one voice. There's something magical about the way their voices fit together that actually you know they're two different people, but they sound like the same person. And that's quite special because, you know, often when you hear duets, it's quite obvious who's singing what. In this case, it's very, very hard actually to know who's singing what. And you know after a while that Erlen tends to sing the higher notes and 
Eric tends to sing the lower notes, but the combination is like this warm blanket that just that just comes over you, and it you know it's such a a pleasant listening experience. But that almost devalues this thing. It's pleasant devalues how special it is. I think as and again as a musician, there's so many things in there that you can pick out um, musically, and as a non-musician, their words are quite special. You know it. At first glance, some of the words feel very ordinary, or in some cases, you think, "Gosh, it's just about washing machines." But actually, you, there's a, there's several layers behind each of them, and and I think it might have to do with the fact that you know, for them, English is obviously a second language because they're Norwegian, and somehow I think when people write in the second language, they phrase things in ways that most of us English native English speakers don't phrase, which again makes it pretty special. Well, that was a beautiful description. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Len. That's cool. Yeah, it was a bit of a tricky situation trying to get a fan for these guys. Not not because there aren't any, but because they all seem very timid. So we should say that the person that recommended Kings of Convenience said we should do an episode of Kings of Convenience because they're awesome. I'm not your super fan, <laughs> basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last time we were. Well, both times actually that we were recommended bands, the the person who recommended it was the super fan, so that actually yeah. did a great job for us. So, yeah, these guys on on Facebook anyway, they keep on nominating each other. Like, no, you should do it. No, you should do it. No, you should do it. No, I'm not a super fan. No, you are. No, you are. So, maybe they're all just very shy or humble. Yeah, I don't know, but it was it was an interesting experience trying to get someone. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that um, loud, boisterous, outgoing people are Kings of Convenience fans. No, I guess they're a bit like the Kings of Convenience, are they? They're, they're quite down-to-earth and mellow. <laughs> They've yeah. mellowed so much that they just don't want to put themselves forward. Yeah. But thanks for getting in touch and recommending Kings of Convenience. Who, who was it that recommended them? Uh, it was it Kenneth. It was Kenneth, yes. Yeah. So thanks, Kenneth, for yeah. getting in touch and recommending Kings of Convenience. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a fun journey. I really like the Kings of Comedians. I respect them as people and as artists, and I would listen to them again. Actually, I might even go see them if they were local. I wouldn't travel a long way to see them. And how far? Uh, what's the furthest you'd travel to see them? To see, <laughs> that's a good question. Actually, see how how much you like a band. Yeah, I'd probably. I don't know. I'd probably go to the to the next city, so like fifty miles, maybe. Oh, that's quite far. That's fairly good. Yeah, yeah, I, I do like them, and everyone I've seen on footage who talks about their experience seeing them, they they just seem like they've had a religious experience. Like they're a little bit emotional and like they've been swept away. You know, these guys. That, that are... comes with loving a band, though, doesn't it? That's true. I have actually been recommending these guys to some friends of mine who have been feeling a bit down. I'm like, hey, check check out these dudes. They, you know, they might cheer you up. Yeah, I get that. I get that they would. Yeah, they'd definitely cheer you up if you're feeling a bit low. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, if you want to recommend uh, a band or an artist to us, please do. Uh, you can get in touch with us at superfancast at outlook.com. You can contact us on Twitter. Please follow us on Twitter and tell all your friends. Get them to subscribe on whatever platform that you use for listening to podcasts. We're on all of them. Name it. Name one. Name one, Matt. Apple. Yep, with it. 
yeah so follow us on twitter at superfancast1 go to facebook uh, follow us there superfancast and you can read our new music reviews at its temporary home at superfancast.blogspot.com that's been an absolute pleasure Matt we Thank you for having this chat <laughs> that's all right I'm gonna go enjoy some sunshine we'll um, speak to all those lovely listeners again in a couple of weeks where we're gonna have another deep dive we're gonna be going into Primus oh you're excited about that one aren't you I'm so excited I love them so much yeah that's gonna be really fun it's gonna be really fun so I look forward to that yeah stay safe keep rocking and we'll see you next time bye bye Thank you.